Yeah, right? Exactly. Where it's like, here's a way that you can be honest, but also yeah. uh, protect the innocent. Exactly, exactly. Well, or they the... weren't so innocent. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about them. <laughs> but... They were learning. They were flawed. They were, I know, oh, figuring it amen. out. Amen. Mm-hmm. It's funny because, um, are you familiar with Pete Holmes? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you listen to his podcast, but I highly recommend it. If you think that he's funny and he talks a lot about spirituality and self-growth and like a lot of the things that I'm sure that you study and teach and, and speak about. Mm-hmm. And that's always something who I think he had. Oh, Rain Wilson. Oh, God. He's just like a deity in human clo- like body. Right. He's just yes. so and wise. He, he, it's funny because he is very, um, they had very different takes on things and rain is very, my read of him is like very direct. Mm. And I'm sure that was causation of like either not having that growing up or mm-hmm. like whatever, like that's just the thing of like, I'm going to say this thing and that's what it is. And Pete mm-hmm. is very soft and mm-hmm. likes to make people feel light, like go around it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And so they were talking about this thing because Pete just kept always saying that of like, well, my parents did the best they could. And Rain was like, I don't believe that. He's like, I don't believe that my parents, he's like, I don't believe that my parents did the best they could. He's like, I, he's like, they absolutely could have done better. Mm. That's just where they were at, which to me, I'm like screaming into the, when I'm listening and I'm like, you both are saying the same thing. Like you both are saying the same thing. You're just coming to it differently. Um, But I just, I like that you shared that because um, that's so interesting. Friends, if you've been listening, you're going, (laughs) they're in it. But listen, mama loves a cold open. You know, when it's flowing, we want to feel those vibes. Uh, Welcome back to the Rachel LaForce show. This is me, Rachel LaForce, and this is my show. First show of any other name would just be harder to Google. I am so excited. This is like a very hashtag like manifested conversation that we're about to have, like a very kind of long time coming. Ann and I have kind of always tag teamed and kept like tabs of each other's work and what's going on. Um, and so this is like the first time we're really connecting. It's so this true. Is, this is so, okay. If you're listening, she was nodding. She was <laughs> like, yeah, I'm already like over this conversation. Um, <laughs> And also, if you are listening to this, uh, know that you can always, you can watch this on Spotify. You can go to YouTube and watch it. And if you're like, why would I want to watch a podcast? It's because I'm hilarious in person and on screen. So if you think this is funny, it's even funnier if you want to give it a watch with your old eyes. Uh, So today, my guest is Ann Odom. Uh, and she is of, uh, you can find her on all socials. I'll put all of this in the show notes and I'll say it all clearly at the end of the show. But if right now you're listening and you want to go check out her work, jump over to Instagram and all socials. It's at the.reprogrammed.parent. Uh, and then you also have a new podcast that's out that I'm going to be on uh, in the not so distant future. We're doing a fun little podcast swap. And that is the reprogram with Ann Odom, correct? Correct. I was was peeping it a little bit earlier. And so, so much, we're going to dive right in, but you are a a child and parent therapist and the core of your work is all about really even like parents and us. I don't even necessarily think you have to have children, but is learning to reparent ourselves. And so much of that work goes hand in hand with our nervous system and how to pay attention to those cues and how to come back to ourselves and really the healing of it all. A hundred. Exactly. And that, that through line of reprogramming was such an essential piece of my journey of returning home to myself to understand that 
all these parts of myself that were essentially protective, that were quote unquote negative, right? That were hard and that were mean and scary at times or, or not able, not allowing me to be able to connect the way I wanted to be able to connect were programs running in my nervous system that were adaptations from my lived experience. Um, and so it really helped me to see the self beneath the protective nervous system and how just as that was kind of programmed through lived experience, we can reprogram it, right? We can return and kind of chip away at those layers of self-protection that prevent us from connecting, whether that's in our parenting or with our partners, with the world, with each other. It's the work, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. And mama's tired. I am... <laughs> so tired so tired i'm like i'm ready just to go on like a sabbatical from the inner work you know what i mean i know sometimes i'm like what if i didn't care you know like what oh what if i didn't care right like i do care i care so much but i i had a i had a little moment on instagram finding some old um you know stills of like saved by the bell or my favorite tv shows and movies i know you did some of that too yeah. just just these these moments in media that were so essential to us, True Beverly Hills, right? And there was a picture of Kelly Kapowski just gazing out of her little bay window with her knees, you know, folded into her chest, longingly looking out the window. And the image that came to my mind was me yearning for the days when parents could just completely lose their shiitake on their kids and feel zero remorse about it. Again, it's okay. not it's not great, but the fact that they could just lay their head on the pillow and be like, today was a good day. Yep. And not do the monumental intergenerational work that we're doing sounds appealing sometimes, but obviously it's not aligned with my values, but yeah. <sighs> I mean, I found, <laughs> you know, humble brag. I've been a parent for just over two years, and, <laughs> you know, and, but that's what's interesting. How old is, and you have children one or yes, one? I have, I have an eight and a half year old daughter and a six-year-old boy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm sure you can even speak more to this, obviously, of like, I, I'm in a phase right now where I'm like, oh, I'm enduring something. Like, obviously, having a newborn and all of that and all the chemicals, everything that's going on with your body and not actually having a village, even if you have a village and like all of those things, that's monumental. Yeah. And then you feel like like where I am right now, where it's like six most like six months postpartum. So I'm like, okay, and I'm working out and I'm feeling like I'm starting to feel like myself again. But then you look over and I'm like, oh, well, now I have like a whole new set of things that I have to do as a parent. And then as difficult as those things are, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're just gonna keep changing. Like once I yeah. figure out that thing, and then it's just gonna move on to the next thing. Especially in the early years. It does. Once we hit that school age moment, they really do become kids, quote unquote. And But you're in that early stage where development is a mother effer. And it is just the second you feel like the ground is underneath your feet, something's different. It is, it is a lot. It is a lot. I was there. So many of your listeners have been there or going to be there. And you know, I remember when I was in the zone with, gosh, a toddler and a baby. And I remember reading that the French don't have this attachment that Americans do about, I just want to be happy all the time, all day happiness, right? They're like, okay, every day you're happy at this moment. You're angry at this moment. You're sad at this moment. Because as you know, like you have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows within an hour, 
with your baby boys. And so it just really helped me just ride those waves and not get super attached to the lows because I knew that like some eye contact from my infant was going to send the love drug just coursing through my veins when I, you know, within the hour. So that really helped me like have my mindset around that because it's how we think about it. Right. Well, yeah. But I also think it's interesting, like talking about nervous system stuff Mm -hmm. of like how much I can still feel. I think I've definitely begun to re well, no, let me start over. I've absolutely reprogrammed my nervous system from where I was like when I first got sober, because like right around then when I was like, Oh, I think this is like a problem because my body was just like, like my nervous system had completely short circuited. Like I was just, I was vibrating in bed. Like I couldn't, you know, and I know that I've filled it for now when like there's appropriate anxiety. I sure. can feel it. I'm like, Oh, that's anxiousness yeah, rather yeah. than like, that's my state of being right. Yeah. I know I'm like I'm about to go perform and like, you know, I used to do, two shows a like a night, you know, for years. So that muscle was really was there. I wasn't as nervous now because I'm not exercising that muscle as often just because the phase of life, I have a little bit more nerves before I get on stage. Right. And so it's like, Oh, that's nervous energy. So I'm able to feel these different things or at the end of the day, everybody's in bed. We made it through. I've had like the 30 minute come down and now my body's relaxed again. It's like, okay, this is like relaxation. Um, But yeah, even now feeling those wild like whiplash feelings, like I'm also like like when you talk about it's like, yeah, where like, you know, parents used to just like lose their shit on kids and it was like, yeah, that's just what you do, you know, or like kids are to be seen and not heard. Mm. I'm like, I mean, also like they were kind of onto something, you know what I mean? Like, was it it the healthiest thing? No, No, you know, um, But yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about like how you got into this work. Is this always what you've done or it was just kind of like, oh, I'm like, how did you find yourself into this place where this is kind of the main thing that you're really wanting to like teach and educate on? Yeah. Gosh. Well, I've, I I talk a lot about my, on my podcast about this like inner authenticity that's really baked into us. And it's so cool to hear my guests talk about, I don't know why, but I was just drawn to this, this booth or this practice that was the, the pathway they were supposed to be on. And so I um, was not raised, I was raised, raised in an emotional desert, right? Had a lot of wonderful things and was surrounded by lots of, you know, people and parties and more than I could ask for, but it was an emotional desert. And I was so insatiably curious about the human experience, about the other, right? Like, what are those people over there doing that have different colored skin? They look so happy and just really have always been Um, So curious about just the human experience. And I have traveled a ton. My parents got divorced when I was 17. So it just kind of shook up this whole idea of like, what is real, what is not real, because I thought all this was pretty stable because we were doing the dinner together and I didn't see the fighting. And it was just this, you know, developmental moment of like, what is actually real in this world? Because I got to go figure that out. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've traveled a ton and I've been in orphanages and held babies and, you know, been to Haiti and Jamaica and I worked for child protective services and did child abuse and neglect investigations. Just like put me in the place where I will learn and never be bored and where nowhere else, no one else wants to go kind of thing. 
Um, and I learned so much through all those experiences about suffering, attachment and intergenerational trauma, because, you know, you'd think in my time doing child abuse investigations, I would think everyone's terrible. The world is an awful place. But actually, it's interesting that I found that people are people and the people that were doing, you know, and, and most of what I was doing was neglect and not the hardcore abuse. And everyone has their own takeaway from that experience, obviously. But mine was oh, people love their kids and people are good. And when things go haywire, it's because of their lived experience, their extreme trauma and a lot of lack of just brain development that comes with real neglect in these environments of Appalachia. I live in the Western North Carolina mountains, just extreme poverty, how it shows up. And so cut to, I, I started to learn about trauma in the nervous system in my job and was just lit up by that concept. Because again, it's really like depersonalizes behavior and helps us understand that it's a protective measure from this primal nervous system that has not caught up with our modern world. Right. And is so influenced by the lived experience. Um, and my kids started to get a little older and I knew that I wanted to go back into therapy. I did therapy after grad school, then got a little bored with it, honestly, the way it was at that time. And just was like playing Uno with kids and just feeling unfulfilled and not impactful. Um, and so I did the DSS thing and then I came back and I said, I'm going to build a practice based on what I think now I'm a grown ass woman. I can figure it out. So in tandem, I'm raising my children and being a woman in a body and having a marriage and learning insatiably about the nervous system and the attachment system for my job, but also absolutely noticing how it was playing out in my body with my children. And actually what really made me what, what kicked off some light bulbs too was how it was playing out in my marriage, how my husband and I are products of our environment and our lived experience and how that was still showing up in our marriage. And that like, we were the problem children, right? My kids are the easy part because they've been getting this attuned, attached, empathic, co-regulating experience, nurturing experience from day one. And it was baffling to me how my husband and I consciously did not want to repeat certain patterns, but how our nervous systems would trip each other's wires and it would just come out of us. And we were self-protecting instead of connecting with each other. And so that started to help me understand how the inner work of the parent, because we're communicating nervous system to nervous system in the most essential way beyond the verbal, we know so much more about the nervous system because of the last you know, 20 years of insane technological advancement, we know so much more. And essentially, the nervous system speaks louder than any word that comes out of our mouth. And understanding that made me realize that the most potent place to put my energy is with the parent and to help them have a tandem experience of understanding development, attachment, the nervous system in their child and what's actually happening when their child is flipping their mind at Target but also they have to understand their nervous system and how their protective patterns are coming up and why, and that there's nothing wrong with them. And just as there's nothing wrong with their child, because that brain conflates not getting a Shopkin as literal life or death to the developing brain. It goes right into self-protective mode, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And ours does as well, but for different reasons. And so I also find that the child therapy space, the child the parenting space is 
unhelpfully siloed off from the parent work that a lot of us are doing. And guess what? They're both happening at the same time in our bodies and in our houses. And so I think parents really need a place where they can have both needs met and honored. Well, and I think knowing that what they're doing isn't wrong. Sure. I I think, I think that's so much, first of all, I have so many things, a few things I got to take you back. I got to know more, but, um, I think that's a really big thing for folks that have never had access to conversations like this. Haven't, and I'm not even talking about like, it's way above my pay grade to talk about. Obviously I'm trauma informed and things like that. Um, but you know, I always try to be clear, especially with my work where I'm like, these are generalizations. These are things that like for the general public, people that have resources or facilities that they can lean on, like this is not, you know, yeah, for, you know, um, it's funny, all of my, uh, my grandmother grew up incredibly poor in a coal miners town in West Virginia and all that. So like generationally, it's just so interesting now, even like having conversations with her, And like where, like the amount of healing we've been able to do from her to my mom, my mom grew up in a pretty abusive household from different things. And that's her story to tell. But then what she tried to do to be able to help me. And then also the things that she did weren't super helpful, but she she really was trying. Of course. Yeah. You know, like what I've been able to do and then hopefully not completely, you know, throw my kids into therapy being like, you didn't know what you were doing. Um, (laughs) But the point of that being that like, yes, there are these like very um, traumatic cases of people where it's like, oh, you're like where you're talking about your brain is not even fully formed because you've always had to decide, is it getting to work or is it eating? Like there's only enough money for gas or food like that that inhibits your ability to make other choices. So this idea of like, well, if you really want to do something for your family, you would go and do it is like, those are the conversations that absolutely just like make me want to jump off a bridge because I'm yeah, like, you guys yeah. are, that's a, just so disrespectful. So telling of where you are and not mm-hmm. at all the truth. But mm-hmm. I think for folks that probably grew up in similar situations like you and I, and things like mm-hmm. that, where I'm always amazed the amount of people that have never heard this type of language or, you know, heard these things and the way in which people learn to cope. Some people learned like, you know, that's where you kind of have these, um, I think a lot of like eating disorders and things like that, that come in because this is a place of control overspending, getting yourself into debt, Mm -hmm. uh, overeating, binge eating, drinking, which was my case. Like there's all of these different ways that we almost deem healthy, Yeah, I mean, even now still looking at, listen, like I am so envious of, you know, folks who can have a glass of wine at the end of the day and it stops at the glass of wine. And like, that was just a part of their kind of come down routine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that type of balance. Um, But I also, it's, you know, so much of this, that kind of old school parenting, old school, you know, 60s, 70s, even 80s, early 90s. But it's like, that still really shows up in that mommy wine culture. There's still a lot of that. It's just a new label. It just looks different, but it's still this, you know, and and the exhaustion of parenting is I can attest is so real. I mean, the amount of, I'm so grateful that I was doing all this work on myself before I had kids because I I actually find where I'm like, like my husband really struggles I think a little bit more than me of their behavior sometimes. And I think I look at that. I'm like, 
Well, yeah, but he hasn't been outside in three hours. He's two. Of course, he's going to start to have a meltdown. Yeah. We should not be mad at him. This is about yeah. us. I say yeah. that a lot. I mean, my husband is wonderful and he's trying sure. his new tools and, and whatever. I don't mean to say I'm doing it right and he's not. But yeah. there, I do think there's a little bit of the insight of, of those things that I'm able to kind of help him see. And he's really good at kind of making those adjustments. But that's something I say a lot where I'm like, this is not Jonah's fault. I said, this yeah. is our fault. We've been busy. We've been doing other things. His behavior is saying, I am done. I need to be outside. I need to run. Yeah. This is not us scolding him. This is, he doesn't need to go to timeout. He needs to go outside. That's yes. Meet the need. Yeah. Because, you know, and, and the more that I really do pay attention, he, I mean, there still are some things like he, that he's doing right now that are things that he's like testing. I could tell he's like testing a limit. And so I try to treat those. Those are different. That's different than I'm developmentally a toddler and I'm going to have a meltdown because I can't have milk because I just said that I wanted at this exact moment. Like there are, you know, there are those, those different ways. And, and I actually find what has also helped to slow down my nervous system. It is actually having kids that like, I can't go as fast mm -hmm. as I would actually want to go. Like if it were up to me, I would do a million things in a day and not be present for any of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah telling people that I'm fully present for them and promoting them as though I've just, you know, discovered fire for the first time. But in reality, I'm doing too many things. And now with small children, I don't have, I'm not able to do that. So there is that where like every single thing I build in more time, it's just going to take mm -hmm. us 20 minutes to get in the car. It mm -hmm. seems insane. It it's sure just, does. As soon as we take him outside, he's going to have to walk around. He's got to see what's out there. He's got to yeah. run around for a minute. You know, I'm like, he's not just going to get in the car. It's just not the way it is. And he's not a bad kid <laughs> because he doesn't want to immediately get in the car. And, I, and I'm also of the mind where I feel like life is already so hard. Like when you have an abundant life, when you have you know, all of the thing It's like, you know, don't we have all the things we always prayed for whatever all those <laughs> memes are, right? Like when you get to that place, don't then punish yourself for having them. That's how I feel. Like, I think a lot of mm -hmm. people then end up punishing themselves where I'm like, eh, we're just going to have to go slower. We have this many things. We have two kids. It takes a long time to get them in the car. This is what abundance looks like. And we're just going to slow down and we're going to take our time because I don't want to get annoyed over stuff that like I can't change. Like it's just not worth it. Oh, totally. And they, there is such an invitation to come into that present moment because this forehead brain, that's the prefrontal cortex that is only fully developed when they're in their mid twenties, which would have been really good to know when we were in our mid twenties. Cause I yeah. sure didn't understand that. Um, but it is, so that's why they play so well. That's why they just completely forget that, oh, mommy wanted me to get in the car. There's a butterfly, right? Like they just are completely in the moment because that big forehead brain is just not there yet to hold all the pieces, to have this bird's eye view of what's actually going on. And I love this idea of our role as parents is to be a substitute frontal lobe, right? Like a non-judgmental loving one that's organizing them to what we need to be doing and what's actually going on in this bigger sense. But I remember seeing my son a few years ago, like after being on the beach and we're, we're back where that, um, 
like the shower thing is, you know, where everyone showers off, like at the back, the back of yeah. the little walkway. And there was no one waiting, but he was just under that water and just enjoying the crap out of it and feeling oh. no pressure to like not waste the water and no thoughts of like someone might need it in a minute. He was just like, this sensation feels good. And I had this light bulb moment of this is the beauty of the underdeveloped prefrontal cortex. The negative part of it is that they will lose their mind over a graham cracker that has been broken in half because it's the only graham cracker that ever existed. Right. Or they will flip their mind over like, like just a feeling and they have zero F's about how it makes you feel or how, where we are or any of that. They are just in their experience so radically. And when we can look at it as the duality of life, like all things, right? Of there's pros to this and cons to this, but it really does invite us to like slow down. And I'm so grateful for that too, because parenting has been such an invitation of growth for me. And it only started for me when I got pregnant. I looked at my body completely differently, not as a commodity, not as something to be visually consumed and controlled, but, oh my God, I have this baby in my belly. I'm going to have a smoothie because I deserve nourishing food because I care so much about this little one. And that I think a lot of us have left ourselves and a lot of us haven't valued ourselves like we should be valued. And the child becomes this gateway to having a reason to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say for me too, it was the connectivity. Like I would say it's the first time in my life where like, I mean, I do admittedly spend too much time in my head, which is why I really enjoy manual labor. <laughs> like yeah. I, I, um, I laid a seed in my backyard with my dad over the weekend. Dang. And, yeah. And it, Wow. Manual labor. It was very hard. And I was like, that's why my landscaper wanted to charge me $3,000 to do this. <laughs> it ain't easy. I get it. I get it now. And um, <laughs> my extended family on my dad's side, they were actually uh, farmers in Illinois. And we sat down and I was so exhausted. And I was like, you know what I'm realizing in this moment? And he's like, what? I go, I've never met an anxious farmer. And I was like, <laughs> And I'm like, even think about all the images of farmers, like they're always just kind of slow to talk. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, because they're so connected to their body and they're mm. so in it every day. It's not to say that they don't have problems over think or whatever, but like outwardly, they're so physically in their body. Yeah. I think sometimes yeah. even like same thing with athletes, like when you're really connecting to your body and I think as a woman and especially being in Hollywood or even just being on stage through comedy, like even though I was always like, see me as funny first, cause that's more comfortable than viewing me, whether you find me attractive. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to know that because that means I could be rejected, but I know mm -hmm. you'll think I'm funny. So I want you yeah. to see that first. There is still that disconnect because I didn't want you to judge my body. So I would also just be completely disconnected from my body as well. And so yeah. now oh, yeah. I feel like, so like dropped in mm -hmm. and yeah, the freedom of that is so good. And then I think, you know, when you're talking about my parents got a divorce when I was 17 and it's like, well, so does that mean that anything was real? Like I say this as a connector point where I'm like, oh, I feel that way about my body. Like now that I'm fully in my body, I'm like, oh, it actually, I don't give a shit what anyone else <laughs> thinks about my body. And in fact, like the, the, the fact that I actually believed 
that what was going to or would not happen to me would be dictated based off of the way that other people valued oh, my body. My yes. The biggest fallacy mm-hmm. and lie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's truth to like, if you are attractive, you get things faster. That is just true. Like, I'm not, you know, saying that that's not a reality of the world that we live in. Beauty privilege. Yeah. But when you're talking about truth, like what is actually true, that's been like one of the most beautiful things to not know, but to truly like believe and embody is one of the greatest gifts that doing this work has brought me. Oh, a freaking men. I mean, that is, that's been the biggest struggle for me, I think too, is my God. I mean, I always say this, but just the, the limited like visuals and the media, you know, because I, I'm a little older than you. I'm 42. There was no internet in my high school experience except for like some dial up AOL stuff, but like, it was like, Rachel, Monica, and Phoebe on Friends when I, I I still can't get over like when Rachel went from like perfectly healthy to really, really, really skinny. I just can someone please measure the impact that had on the psychology of teenage girls that were in my generation? Because I've always been a healthy size, but I wanted to be smaller. I should be rail freaking Gwyneth Finn. And it hijacked my thoughts and completely, yeah, created this false reality. And I was just invisibly suffering and one diet away from getting somewhere. Right. And my God. And, and even now I'm, I'm so aware of, I was shopping for bathing suits at the beginning of the spring and, and the bathing suit company had like, you know, skinny, quote unquote, typical nineties model style body, then like mid-sized body, then like beautiful plus size body. And just my mind naturally went to that middle body. That's more like mine and thought, well, that feels so good to see this and to see this even like rail thin woman. It's like, oh, she's, is she okay? Like, how's she doing? Like, you know, have a cheeseburger maybe, right? Like live a little, but it's just these visuals again, like give input to our nervous system. And they tell us about what is real and what's not real and what we should be doing. Everything is worthiness. Everything is, am I worthy of belonging? And in this modern world, our nervous system has not caught up to this landscape. You know, I love this quote by EO Wilson. Hope I get it right. We have primal paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. Ooh. Ooh. I just got like lit up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And truly what's giving us a stress response slash this fight, flight, freeze, fawn response that manifests itself in a lot of numbing and controlling, like you mentioned, eating disorders, drinking, binging. Um, For me, it was like 30 rock and carbs. You know, I can't, can't handle. I'm just going to check out with some Tina Fey and just go into this world because I cannot, like, I can't hang anymore. But um, what's giving us that, that primal stress response is the input from our external world of there's something wrong with me. I'm not worthy of belonging because I have my pants are too tight for women, right? Like, because I don't look as good as this person. I want to be the best in the room. I mean, like, it's just so insidious. Well, that, and so it's interesting right now, my son, we actually get like his full eval today, but he is 
I w- they say he's struggling with sensory stuff. I say yeah. Yeah, he's, he's just aware that there's too much going on. That's what right. He's responding like, to his environment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Cause he's barely two years old. He hasn't really been out of the house and now he's in this institution of stand in line and do this and do that. I'm like, he's a smart, obedient kid, but of course it makes sense. Also, Small children want to be by their parents or caregivers. That's the place that makes them feel safe. So it makes sense to me that he's struggling a little bit to adapt to not being with us and he's not easily distracted by macaroni and cheese or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I'm like, my husband and I are deep feelers, deep Mm. thinkers. And I said, there's nothing's getting past us. So if you think that you're getting anything past that raw being... Mm. absolutely not going to happen. So it's been, uh, talk about reprogramming, reparenting. It's been a lot for me because there's a lot of like labels and words and all these things that we've used around him that first of all, we've come so far. I mean, in the nineties, it was just like, put her on Ritalin. Like at least I now, know. Oh my God. You know, yeah. At least now they're like, there's a range of things that could be going on and mm-hmm. every single thing is a spectrum. So we're just simply going to start with like, He probably just needs to have more development in his nervous system. So we're just going to start with like some sensory exercises. I'm like, yeah, great. That feels balanced and normal. Mm -hmm, And like mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. I also feel like instinctually both as his mother and, you know, I made his nervous system. His nervous system is mine. Like, you know, that's the other thing just depending on who I've talked to, because I've been very blessed that people that we're working with are, um, are, are good listeners, but that's what I've said. I'm like, listen, I, I'm not an academic, so I'm open and I'm curious to learning, but also both from an, as his mother and the intuition as his mother, but also like he is me. So I see when he gets like, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, he probably is too, not just because of co-regulation, but I'm like, I know the things that trigger me and I've had to learn to fix them. I didn't have the luxury at two years old having the resources and we didn't even have this language where now I'm like, I can really help to support and facilitate. So hopefully by the time he's in his twenties, that the things that he's struggling with can be new problems rather than like (laughs) cycling through the things that I had to learn how to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I, I think that our culture doesn't honor the primal nervous system. And it, you know, yes, attachment is everything. And he is feeling if, if you're talking about he's like in a daycare or something, right? Like, you know, there's there's great ways to make it um, feel really safe to him, but he's having an appropriate response to being disconnected from his attachment figures. Like, again, that prefrontal cortex can't say, oh, you know, Miss Jenny is so nice. She's probably a safe person. Mommy obviously trusts her. Like that comes, it comes. But right now our kids are just so authentic. They're not deciding like, are you okay with this? They just feel right. And, and, and to some level, I think we have just this cultural view of emotional intolerance. That's just very sneaky. Like, you know, that old story of the two fish swimming in the water and the old man fish swims by and goes, Hey boys, how's the water? And they're like, what's water, right? Like it's trippy to reevaluate our reality, but essentially I just see this as the through line in so many spheres of, we still think that having big emotions is bad, but we need to move them through our nervous system. We need to metabolize them and get through the tunnel of them with a safe attuned adult so that they're not stuck in the nervous system at 25. Well, or even that like that, 
I don't know. To me, I'm and I have jokes about this too, right? Where yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, everybody loves to go out to the desert because they want to do mushrooms because they want to like feel on multiple levels. I'm like, I can just go to Costco on a Saturday and I'm right there. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm like, I do. I feel like when I'm outside, I can see the trees breathing and I can see like everything mm-hmm. does feel 5D to me. I don't need mm-hmm. mushrooms to like yeah. have that sense of connectedness. Like if I just yeah. get quiet for a minute, I'm like, oh, I'm in my backyard, which is in this city, which is in this state, which is in this country, in this globe, which is in this galaxy. Like I can go to like the infinite that quickly. Mm. And I don't think that's a trained thing. I think I just showed up with that. But you know, the, the the reason I share that is it's like, I see that in Jonah. And I also think there's something that's so valuable to that. Like I think there's, I've, been slowly working with like CEOs and in different spaces of talking about that, of like, we actually need to, the value that you're looking for, that if we add that back in of truly knowing emotional intelligence and knowing how to operate that, like right now you guys are like, you know, no vacation, no this, cause we need productivity. I'm like, you put people in a position where they feel safe to express themselves and do what they need to do. I guarantee you, yeah. We'll see the, 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 the value of this company, the productivity, all of those things skyrocket. Cause right oh, yeah. now people, even if they're here every day, like you're talking about nervous systems, you've got all these people short circuiting and oh, that's all sure. it's like, so nobody's showing up and being able to do what's at the best of their ability. And also mm-hmm. emotion breeds innovation. How am I feeling? What do I need to do? We have cut ourselves off from all of these abilities to evolve because mm. we've cut ourselves off from that. Like when you talk about women and how much energy we've put into what our body needs to look mm. like, I'm like, if we had that energy back from oh 50%, my God. 50% oh my God. of the population, oh my God. I'm like, you guys, we would have no earthly problems. Because, I know. You know. It's like the masculine was able to create all of the things that we need to, you know, for this kind of godlike technology. And then you bring that feminine energy back in and then we will find a way to balance out that energy. But it's like, you know, is like the biggest cosmic joke where we have, we have taught women and men that, that the feminine and however you define it is not a value. When in fact, that's why the majority of us have a nervous system that is we're all walking around completely short-circuited on a a societal level. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, when you talk about going back just even into our homes, it's like, I mean, I'm glad that any of us are even doing as well as we are. I mean, it's really overwhelming. Especially when it's been so dormant in our systems for so long. I was so aware when I was really kicked into my big mental health, spiritual awakening, 2020, like, you know, who didn't right? like, it was just, hello, we got to look at ourselves now. I don't have a social calendar. I I didn't realize how much I lived for that external stimulation and validation of, I have plans next weekend. I was like, oh my God, like, who am I? And it was so potent and important, but I had this awareness of there's stuff that I can't touch with my brain. There Mm. is stuff in my body. I felt like there was a block over my heart. I just felt it in my system. And I had some, I I was led very serendipitously, you know how it is, just the little breadcrumbs, little signs and um, to doing some emotional release body work. And it's a lot of internal family system stuff combined with somatics because you're exactly right. Embodiment is everything. And it just 
elevated my nervous system to a level that just blew me away. And it, there, it was intertwined with inner child healing as well. But understanding how much I had this inner child in me stuck in 1986, who mm-hmm. didn't have, a, you know, my parents loved me so much and did the best they could, but I didn't have a wise parent to integrate an experience. Hey, that wasn't okay. You didn't deserve that. Are you okay? I've got you right? Like I was left alone to make up a very immature version of what happened, which is what the egocentric childlike brain does. It says, well, something's wrong with me. It must've been my fault. And then we store that. And it's, Mm. it's really beautiful. The nervous system does that. I see that now with a lot of grace of, wow, the trauma is stored in the body because this intelligently designed system says, this is too much for little three-year-old her. She can't, she can't handle all this by herself. We're going to, we're going to put it down here and store it for later. And I think that what really baffled me was in my twenties. And when I got into a family system, when I got married, when I became a mother, I was just fried from going out in the day and doing my job fried. It was, it was a cumulative effect of low grade stress response and feeling like all these external cues, facial expressions from a friend that felt, you know, we, a lot of us that had, you know, some level of socially accepted lowercase t trauma of just the parenting methods of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, We read other people so astutely because that's how we got information about what when we were safe and when we weren't. And a lot of us women are recovering people pleasers and fawners. I was a big fawner for so long. Um, But what what really made sense to me was understanding how like I was just a live wire out in the world. And and on the outside in the 3D, my life was great and fine and beautiful. And but my internal experience was just a wreck. And that's what our culture's doing. We need to know. We need to know this stuff. Well, and I think it's also a way that frames things for people of like, you're not crazy. Yes, exactly. And I and I, and I use yes. that word on purpose where yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the thing that the stories that we create because the yep. way that our body feels, because yep. your body feels it before any other part. Exactly. Even now for me where I'll go, why am I feeling the, and then I'm like, oh, and sometimes I'll go, okay, note it. You felt away right now. You know, we're walking to something. You can't have a full breakdown with yourself. Like we'll come back to that feeling, but yeah. I'll notice even now my body always feels it. When I do intuitive readings for people, mm-hmm. I always know when I'm on the right track. Cause my whole body, I get like this. It almost feels like a full massage that I get from like my head down. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. I'm onto something even yeah. before any other part. Right. Like, so I just share that of like our, our bodies are feeling something, but especially if our caregivers were, which the quote or the word now that everybody loves to throw around, but like if they're gaslighting you, if that thing yeah. didn't happen or you shouldn't yeah. feel this way, you should sure. stop crying. Yeah. Then there's this conflicting thing because your body feels one way. Oh yeah. But you're being told, so you start to not trust yourself. That's where that, that's why intuition is, it shouldn't be a woo woo thing. I mean, the fact that any of I know. conversations are deemed oh is like, that's my whole thing where I'm like, we're making spirituality mainstream. I don't know yes. why any of these things are deemed other. I don't know why we're not talking about them in all spaces. Like yeah. it's not, this is not 1988 where Tony Robbins is our only path to, you know, <laughs> yes. you know, like rich Nine, dad, poor 900 dad. like numbers and that lady. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you know, if you want to get into Oracle card readings or whatever, that's a totally different conversation. But as far sure. as like just having these basic pieces of information yeah. that we know, 
that are the intelligent design of our bodies. And we're not talking about them, especially when they work to our detriment. But that goes into a whole other thing, which is like how deeply rooted shame is. Mm. Because if we were to really get honest and everybody would go, I feel that way. I feel that way. I feel that yeah. way. Yeah. And also so many of us don't want to do it because then we feel like we're blaming our parents and then that's yeah. confusing because yeah. it's not 37 year old Rachel that I would be blaming my parents, quote unquote, it's five year old Rachel, six year old Rachel, seven year old Rachel. And your inner child feels like they can't do that because no matter what your parents are always your parents. Yeah. And, and you're dependent on them for survival. Yes. And so there's just so much of that, but that's why I love having these conversations and, and just, I love the work that you're doing and it's just so of value because, you know, I, I, I do, I just think it's so interesting that I can pick up my phone and I could go to Google, you know, like Google or something and I can see a small market in China and it's like, that's how far we've come, but still to even have these conversations to go, yeah, hey, are you familiar with like, your nervous system, you know, like, <laughs> Hey, how does this thing make you feel? People are like, Whoa, I don't want to have this kind of conversation. <laughs> you know, Not for like, me. Yes. Like, it's whatever, the gateway. Um, I know. I mean, everything you said, I just resonate with so deeply. And, and that, that loyalty, well, the gaslighting piece for sure. Like attachment is the most is the strongest primal driver in our system because, you know, as you know, babies come into the world, the most underdeveloped of all species. I mean, a baby deer is out walking around after a few minutes. An infant can't even look at you for weeks, right? And there's so much development also that happens outside of the female body, but at the same time, they are so dependent on us for so long. And so when we even this, this idea I try to tell parents when, when we we're attuned to our parents, we see my mother is stressed. Hey mom, are you okay? And they say, yeah, honey, I'm fine. We got an intuitive hit in our body. I feel my mother is stressed. My mother says, no, I'm fine. We will inherently trust her over us because we're dependent on her for survival. This all happens beyond our conscious awareness. Yep. So I guess I'm wrong and she's right. So then we stop trusting that intuitive voice, the messages of our body. It is detrimental to our internal compass that is meant to not only show us like our authentic code of what we came here to do, but also just navigating relationships, navigating the world and knowing what is real, what feels good, what's right for me, what is mistreatment, what is not. I mean, that needs to be widely understood and how healthy it is for a parent to say, we don't want to parentify them and say, yes, honey, I'm stressed about the bills and it's, you know, your daddy, blah, blah, blah. No, but we say, hey, yeah, I am a little stressed. My nervous system is a little jacked up for a minute. I'm all good. I can still take care of you, right? And it's a mommy thing. I got it, right? It'll pass. It'll pass. Well, and the, the big word that I always use at our house is safe. You're safe. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm safe. You're safe because, and that's mm -hmm. probably a little bit of projection on my part, but like where- that's the biggest thing. Cause you're right. Where it's like conflict can exist. Um, yeah. frenetic energy can exist, all these things. But what I really want to build in our family and for my husband and for myself, which is like, there is stability and there is safety here. Yes. It's, it's the bottom. It's everything it. else is going to be okay. Everything yeah. else will change everything. Like, but the thing that we have, no matter what the season, no matter what's going on is that we are safe and we yep. are stable. And yep. that, that is like the main thing because you know, even I want, you know, both of my boys to be able to have that as they, they grow and they learn to trust themselves and discover what's important for them. Um, where the main thing is like, I want to give you this 
yeah, th- this foundation. And then I can just kind of help you build whatever is valuable to you from there. But it's like, yeah. that's the thing that I want you to know that no matter what, um, that you're safe. But I wanted to say one thing when we were talking, when you're talking about, you know, learning that the other person must be right and we must be wrong. It's like, that's even so much. I tell jokes about this on stage where it's like, you know, shout out to everybody out there that's that has been in relationships with people that are emotionally unavailable. It's like, I think I I blamed myself for so long of like, oh, yeah. oh, because I was codependent or I was this. And yes, we have, there's that sense of responsibility. That's a different conversation. But meaning yeah. if I'm in the kitchen with somebody that I'm living with and I'm under the impression that we are attached to each other, but my entire nervous system is telling me this is not safe. Something is wrong. And then I ask him and he goes, oh, there's nothing wrong. It's fine. I have now had 30 years of believing other people. Yeah. So, you know, again, even when we talked about earlier in the beginning of the conversation of like, um, you know, uh, folks that have been, been, and I'm not at all comparing that situation to folks with heavy trauma, but I'm just sure. using that as an example that if you are somebody who has not experienced that heavy trauma, maybe that can give you that sense of empathy of even being in that place and not being able, like where it should be logical. Oh, well, my entire body is telling me. <laughs> that this, what this person is saying is not real, but I'm still choosing to believe them. Yeah. Now imagine somebody who has had not had nearly the resources as you has, you know, had disassociation through abuse in their body and all of that. Now ask them to try to navigate the world. Like, well, yeah. No and that, wonder, it's difficult. And, and I feel that's the problem with the parenting space. It is not sustainable. We're all, we're going to experts, you know, I lo- there's so many wise like voices in the space but what's not being discussed is how we return to our own intuition, how we rewire our nervous systems, because we've lost touch with our parenting instincts because we lost touch with our human instincts, right? And so let's teach parents how to return to themselves so that they instinctively know how to respond to their kid instead of searching for Instagram stories and listening to podcasts. I see these mothers, especially that are just dousing themselves with cognitive information and they feel like such failures because when the shiitake hits the fan, that nervous system, that protective response will take over like a tidal wave. And that part of your brain that can remember what Dr. Becky said is gone. And you feel like an idiot and you feel like a failure and you feel shame. And that's that we need to be educating people on that's how your system works. There's nothing wrong with you. And this is why, and this is how we get on top of it because it's just not sustainable to be seeking experts all the time for something that has a million choice points throughout the day, as you know, as a parent. Yeah. And I hear all the time, parents are lost. They don't know. I guess no one else knows what they're doing either. No one tells us, but it's, it's a symptom of the fact that we've left our bodies. We've left our knowing we've left ourselves and I'm on a mission just to like get it back, you know? Amen. And, and it goes back to that though, too, which is like, also, you have to pay attention or you don't have to. I would encourage people. But it's like, <laughs> sure. what what works for your family? Like there's exactly. plenty of great parenting advice of like, well, maybe your son like needs more structure. That's something that would help. Great. We have a very unstructured life in the way of, I mean, our time structure for my husband and I to get everything done is like, it's, we run like military in our house. 
but meaning <laughs> we work from home. We have a lot of family that comes and goes like they're with a lot of the structure that keeps us like afloat in our lives. There's also a lot of like, you know, we're artists. We're so it's like, yeah, things that may work for somebody else are not going to work yeah. in our home. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean that I'm a failure because that thing doesn't work. What I need to look for is something that's congruent mm -hmm. with who we are as people, our personalities, our yeah. like work and lifestyle. And I think, I think also sometimes people can get so overwhelmed because now there's so much information. Yeah. And I, but that's just so much of what I love about what you're teaching too, which you're really teaching people, which that it's a, a lot of what I like to do, which is like, let's uncover you yeah. because you are ultimately the one who knows you've just gotten to a place where you don't trust yourself. So exactly. therefore you can't trust yourself to be able to remain calm. Mm -hmm. You can't trust that like, you know, it's all of those things. And, and also remembering that it's like, well, wait, I tried that thing yesterday and it worked with my son, but then today it didn't work. It's like, well, they're also a human too. So that's the other fun part of this. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, all bets are off. Right. <laughs> um, so what do you feel like, I'm curious, like of, like of Anne, what do you think is like one of the most important things that you have learned on this journey for yourself. Um, I think especially you've, you've spoken a lot about kind of the inner workings of creating your own family and like what that looks like. Do you have anything that you feel comfortable sharing of like, this has been a big game changer in my nervous system and kind of the overall harmony that I experience with my family? Mm, I love the word harmony. Yes. I mean, surprisingly to me, honestly, again, I feel like so much parenting support is like behavior management for us of say and do these things and know these things. But my returning to my inner child, the relationship that I have built with her has been the gateway to all of the strength in me, all of the presence in me, like pure love that I'm able to walk around in the world with and then effortlessly give it to my children mm. and not worry about these parts of them that how is it going to be received? Like this inside job of just seeing and soothing and accepting all that my inner child needs and wants and knowing how lovable and worthy she is has just flowed out of me effortlessly towards my children and given me these real intuitive cues of, well, if I need that, then that's what they need. Mm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I think I've found, um, I'm trying to find more like authentic ways to show up on social media because <laughs> I don't like social media. Um, <laughs> but as you know, it's very much a part of our job. Yeah. But I've found that a lot of times, especially if somebody shares something about like grief or heartache or whatever, where it's like, especially if it's somebody I don't have a personal relationship with, you know, it's like, you don't want to be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Or I see you. Or like, and so now I've just taken to just writing heard because I think people share because they just want to be heard. Yes. And I'm like, I think that's the most respectful way where it's like, you're sharing this with people. So obviously you wanted them to know, but like, I don't know if something, you know, it's like, I'm sorry for your loss. You've heard that a million times. That's not helpful. Like 
I, maybe you want feedback. Maybe you don't like the amount of people, especially when this, this kind of like healer teacher world, like everybody always has to give their hot take in the comments. I'm like, I don't think this is the time. Like, we don't need you to sell your course to us, like in the comments section, you know, about this person experiencing like the anniversary of their father's death. Like right now Mm. is not the time, you know? And I mean, it's a weird time we live in. My God. Yeah. 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 And I, so I've just found that that is so vital because the times that I spend with little Rachel, it's the same thing of like, I was very loud. I was very big. I was very creative. It's all the same things that I am now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where now I've just learned of like, that is really beautiful. Like, but now as an adult, it's like, here's the edit point. Like, here's where we're like done speaking or here's where we let the other, you know, like those things that you do learn as like the rest of your brain develops. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That is really the thing where I'm like, I, I honestly, humans are, complicated and 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 all of the things you know to say to be so pedestrian and what i'm saying but ultimately that's what i think is like we just want to feel heard we don't need anybody to fix it we don't you know anything like that but it's like all of the culture wars all of the things that are going on i think it's so much that people just don't feel heard and i think yeah of hopefully we can all begin to nurture this new you know generation and and even our own generation that's the other thing where it's like truly we're not done yeah yeah we know many many miles many many miles to go well and i can't recommend enough i'm i'm such a brene brown fan girl and she had like there's a you can google it it's called brene brown empathy video and someone took like a three minute chunk of one of her talks and put a cartoon images to it. And it's about empathy and how, and I, I mean, I, I used to tell my parents, like I could talk about empathy, the energetics of it. Cause it's, it really is an energetic experience. It's not just like saying words. It has to be felt through mm-hmm. the nervous system. Um, but ultimately connection is what makes things better. It's no solutions. It's no logic. It's, it's, it's nothing. And I think that, we need to really connect with ourselves. We can only connect with others, others as much as we can connect with ourselves. And I think that's what we're seeing so often is again, we've left our bodies. We've left ourselves. Like people can only know you as well as they know themselves. People can only see you as well as they see themselves. And so it really is this inside job. And then it's pretty effortless. I think so. I think, you know, that's the interesting thing because we started this conversation talking about um, how hard everything is and how, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, what if we didn't care? What if, you know, what if we, yeah. it'd be so nice to just not care. <laughs> but I always say it's like, you know, that's the most beautiful thing, which is like, because I choose to do the work every day, because you choose to do the work every day and you show up every day, the, the, the payoff is that there is this sense of effortlessness and there is this sense of connectivity and harmony. And, um, I think allowing, allowing is another big word for me right Mm. now. Like, you know, it's a fallacy that I can stop things from happening or that I have any sense of control and that doesn't mean allowing of like, you know, allowing other people to treat you like shit or, you know, anything like that, but like, just, just the allowing and, and knowing of life to happen. Right. Yeah. yeah, Or like, let you know, it's like, yeah, of course your kids are going to trigger you because they're going to show you who you are and nobody wants (laughs) to see that, you know, like 
just let it happen. Like you don't have to make it so much harder than it's supposed to be. Like it's already hard. Like that's mm. so much of what I want people to know. It's like, it's already hard. Like we have complicated being human. We have made it so hard. Like take the pressure off. And the last thing I'll just share with you of, you know, when you are talking about this, this, that the more we accept things about ourselves and that level of empathy is I feel that way of like why I really share a lot about almost everything about my life publicly is, is not that I'm like a martyr in any way, but being like, if I can do it, then you can also share with somebody in your life the way you're feeling. You don't have to make yours public and make that your whole purpose. <laughs> um, you know, in fact, wouldn't recommend it, but you know, I, <laughs> but I mean, we're, I, I do think that of like when we can accept the shame and the, you know, the shadow of it all, or like any of that, our trauma, our abuse, like when we can accept those things and see them and acknowledge them as being real, we have so much more grace for other people because we acknowledge that they, nobody is unscathed in the human experience. Oh um, God. I yeah, exactly. Shame can't live in the sunlight. And I remember Brene Brown saying, nobody rides for free. And that unlocked something in me because I thought I was the only one struggling because it was, it was, you know, you're comparing your insides to other people's outsides kind of thing. And I love this truth teller journey you're on and I'm on a similar one and, and, and it's beautiful. It's so important. And we can back to, I wanted to loop back to that you know, when I think about our parents, I like to use the word impact instead of damage, right? Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, we can't heal and we can't move through it if we're protecting secrets and, and egos, we really can't. And, you know, we can be big enough and know that their patterning, their self-protective nervous systems is different than who they are at their core. Because I see that in my parents who are so loving towards me and still so supportive of me and being so big about what I'm doing. Right. And, but I, I can't do the work I'm here to do. And I can't free people up from the, the stories in their mind without honoring that, you know, I had a beautiful childhood in so many ways, but the socially sanctioned parenting methods really jacked me up. Yeah. And I don't want to live that way anymore. And no one needs to, we can, we can heal and, we're all on the journey, man. You know, I mean, sister, don't <laughs> I know it? This has been, I could talk to you forever. So I'm sure that you have other things to do today. So I will, <laughs> I will wrap it there. Cause I'm like, I just so many things, but this has been such a beautiful conversation and I am so appreciative for you for offering your time to me and everyone yeah. who's listening. And I know this is like right up the alley of everybody that uh, is in this audience. So I am, if you guys are listening, I'm so excited for you to listen. So, Anne, plug, this is the appropriate time to plug all of your things. Tell me <laughs> all of the things you've got going on, how we can work with you, how we can find you and support your work. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, this is also, I could also keep talking about you for a million hours, like so <laughs> many, so many like tangents we could go down for, for hours. So I'm so glad we got to connect. Um, yeah. So Instagram, the reprogrammed parent, um, my life supplies endless content. So I'm in the trenches just parenting with you guys. So I talk a lot about embodiment. I give parenting tips that I'm using, like, for example, the vet's office literally yesterday to like pull my kids back into their bodies in connection with me through a game. Um, and then I do dumb dances and I just, whatever the hell comes to my mind, you know how it is. 
Um, and then, so, so you can keep informed of what I'm offering. Cause right now I'm just doing one-on-one -on -one kind of parent coaching that work. And I can do that in my local community of Asheville, North Carolina, or via zoom and the podcast, obviously the reprogram has been such a great place for me to have longer form conversations. Rachel will be on it this afternoon. Yeah, and... so we just get to keep talking in a few hours. It'll be great. How, how is this our job? I know it's so good. Um, and I do, I'm, I do plan to, to carve out some time and maybe have different offerings at some point that can allow for more people in a group setting because we heal in relationship. And I'd love to provide that container for parents. But right now, that's just what I got going on. I'm just taking it one step at a time. So proud of myself for having a freaking podcast right now. Like, you know, just doing it, being on your podcast, having mine. I'm just stepping into this world. So it's fun. Amen. I love it. Well, thank you so much. So we'll put all of that on the show notes. If you guys are listening, you can go and check that out. And a uh, gentle reminder, this will be going out in the morning on Thursday. So in the evening, you can still uh, join and grab your spot for the group reading. So I'm going to be talking all about kind of this transition from fall into, uh, or excuse me, from summer into fall. We're going to do a little bit of guided meditation. Uh, and then I'm going to be sharing some intuitive messages that I have for the group. So if you're looking to kind of ground yourself uh, a little bit. You can do that with me. Uh, it'll be tonight when you're listening tonight. Uh, and then if you missed this one, I am going to be doing them monthly. So you can check all of that out at rachelaforce.com. Uh, you guys, we're all just doing the best we can. So stay yeah, in it. Yeah, we are. Daylight. Thank you so much, Anne. And uh, friends, love you, mean it. <laughs>